I want to create something where people like me feel seen, accepted, and welcome to be who they can be and change whatever they want to change in what they're working on. I try to spread the message as much as I can. I imagine if we have an army of journalists and well-prepared army, skilled army, they have the knowledge, they have the resources, they have the ability to deliver the message in the best way. This is the power of media. Welcome to episode three, the UN Capital Development Fund's podcast, Women and Girls on the Climate Change Frontline. I'm your host, Sarah Harris. If you remember, we started our journey in the Gambia, the smallest country on the African mainland, where we met many women with big ideas on how they can adapt and deal with the climate crisis. Discussions in the Gambia led us to focus on the importance of elevating more women to leadership positions in episode two. And in this, our third instalment of the series, speakers have led us to today's theme, education. To educate every person, it sounds basic and yet more than 20 years into the 21st century, multiple UN studies show the world is still far from reaching such a goal. Firstly, we're dealing with a crisis of equity and inclusion, with millions of children, especially girls, across the globe left out of the education system. Secondly, we're up against a crisis of quality. Shockingly, a significant number of those who are attending school aren't even mastering the basic principles. The World Bank calls it a learning crisis. Kids going to school but unable to do simple mathematics or understand a very simple sentence. And there's a third problem. Many of our current educational frameworks fail to arm the upcoming generations with the knowledge and skills required to navigate and succeed in our high-tech and fast-changing modern world. There's a lot to unpack there, and I thought that this would be what we would be doing in this week's podcast. Because to have more leaders, we need more formally educated women, right? More girls in classrooms, more female academics, more women scientists and engineers, and of course, more women in politics. But that's not where our podcast interviewees directed us, which was a surprise. And it's kind of not where I expected this episode to go. Instead, our interviewees from South Africa and Egypt took us in a very different route entirely. So while we're talking education today, we're not focusing on formal education. Our guests for this week's podcast had a whole different take on the matter, which led us into some very interesting areas, looking at how to empower women and girls and bring them in as active players and, yes, leaders in tackling climate change through the use of non-formal education approaches. So today we're exploring non-formal education through two divergent channels, the arts and media. I hope you find our discussions with them as interesting as I did. 
First up, I want to introduce you to Charlotte Massiti. She is the founder and executive director of She for Earth, a youth-led non-profit educating children and young people about climate change, biodiversity conservation and indigenous knowledge systems. Charlotte and her team go into schools and get students talking about climate change and climate action in a safe and encouraging space. Boys and girls alike, she wants everyone to be part of the discussion and to feel empowered to act. And then we're also learning to develop a curriculum that does not just focus on only on the girl children, but also on the boys' children, because when we are educating the girls, where, what are we educating the boys? Because we also need to dismantle the ideology of young girls growing up to be perfectionists and young boys growing up to be problem solvers. We need to bring young girls as well to be uh, problem solvers and young boys also need to be human beings. I think that's a really good point, because if you don't educate the girls and the boys, how do you get the whole of society to change, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, indeed. But then the discussion took some interesting turns. As well as being executive director of She for Earth, Charlotte is also an artist, a poet to be precise. She uses her art to promote discussion and exchange ideas on climate change, not only to inspire and inform action on climate change, but to deal with the weight of the climate burden and its impact on mental health, which she says is a significant issue for young people and young women in South Africa today. Let's let Charlotte explain. I think the mental health aspect, I think it also goes to me as a young person personally, because having that sense of depression and then you don't really care about much and then you have anxiety and then you just care about so much. And then thinking about it that way, I'm like, there's so many young people that they're experiencing so many global issues all at once. Like, for example, in African communities, unemployment is so high and lack of funding for projects, businesses, small businesses, and other ideas, and then young people graduating from university and still struggling to find employment. I like, and then there's like climate change, water scarcity. Then it goes to mental health, where young people are struggling with all these things, and then they are being overwhelmed by these issues, and then they have nowhere to go. And then I was like, I think I have to blend this in. I need to use mental health as my core aspect. And then all the other issues are just like the connectors of that mental health aspect because it's quite important. Wow. I mean, it sounds like you're really coming at this from a really personal and heartfelt position. I mean, would you say that you you feel like you're maybe speaking for many others who feel the same way right now? Yeah, I sometimes do feel like I'm speaking for many others that are in the same position. However, I think instead of me speaking for the many, how about I create a space for them to also have an opportunity to express themselves through She for Earth? 
I think you can really hear Charlotte's pain, the weight of dealing with such big issues as a young woman in South Africa today, pushing for education, the worry and pressure to find work, the limits and the harsh reality of living with and being limited by climate change, day in, day out, and the fear of what is to come. Charlotte is learning to channel these emotions through art. She's bringing communities of like-minded people together online and using social media to transcend her physical limits and find like-minded people. I think the greatest thing about the social media is the freedom and the power to connect with other women. Well, like, because as women, this this sense of relevance every time we share our stories and then another woman just comes and chimes and I'm like oh my gosh um this resonates with me so well and then we start sharing because that through that channel we feel like oh this is a space where we can express ourselves we can be ourselves not just women but as human beings as well and then we start building a community around that and then it becomes a constant thing and then that's how like you know it goes up the discourse in the communities Charlotte is creating extends beyond screen swiping and social reactions a hot topic of conversation and shared interest is girls' opportunities and how they are limited by access to, yes, formal education. About 130 million girls worldwide are denied an education, according to a joint UN study released in Geneva earlier this year. 130 million. That's equivalent to the entire population of Mexico. Furthermore, women make up two-thirds of the 750 million adults globally who lack basic literacy skills, according to the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, perhaps better known more briefly as UNESCO. And in low-income countries, just 1% of the poorest girls will complete secondary school, say UNESCO. And while there have been advances in increasing the proportion of girls in school in many countries in recent decades, those hard-won gains are under threat by, yes, climate change. Climatic disruptions disproportionately affect girls and young women who are often compelled to assume extra household responsibilities during times of crisis. This added burden raises their likelihood of quitting school. But missing out on schooling while limiting doesn't mean one has to be cut off from other means of learning. And this is where the work of our next guest comes in. Journalists have a platform to constantly educate all of us through their reporting. And if it's TV or radio news, literacy is not a barrier to understanding. Journalists can help all of us understand climate change how it is affecting our lives, how it is impacting our planet. And they can also raise awareness about how each of us can help mitigate climate change and potentially kickstart change at government level, in our communities, in how we live our lives. But to do that, we need journalists who understand climate change and can make sense of it for the rest of us. No small task. Happily, our second guest on today's show, Rama Dia, has the matter in hand, 
I'll let her explain. Uh, my initiative, it's called the Climate School in Arabic, Madras uh, al-Munakh. We launched it uh, two years ago. And until now, we organized about tr uh, 20 free sessions, training sessions uh, to the journalists, Arab journalists and African journalists. And we aim by this training to provide the journalists with the necessary knowledge about climate change and how can they uh, gain uh, the needed skills to uh, write stories about climate change in creative, simple way. Rama is teaching journalists how to report on climate issues in a creative and simple way that resonates with audiences. While there's no gender component to who she signs up, the courses are for male and female journalists, she did say she had trained more women than men. What's more, I love the fact that her courses aim to trigger an increased focus on solutions, to steer journalists from endless doom-loop reporting and encourage their audiences to feel that there are positive actions to be taken and perhaps addressed some of those feelings of despair that Charlotte talked of. We need to report about climate change in a different way to gain a different feedback from the people. We need to tell the stories as a human stories, not just figures and numbers and papers studies and something like that, because normal people didn't understand what they say. They suppose that it's not specialized to them or not offered to them because it's not the, the language they understand. So we need at first to change the language, to change the content we provide to the people. We need to make it more creative, more simple, more deep. And we need to talk more about the solution because people started to understand there is an issue and there is a problem, but how can we deal with this problem? We need to spread hope, to give them solutions, to encourage them to create their own solution. And this is an important role of journalism to, to do. And this is how uh, what we are trying to do in climate school, because there is no other institution or initiative that plays this role. And when I realized that before two years ago, so I take the decision to launch this initiative. Because in our Arab world, we, we don't have uh, this kind of training, this kind of, of opportunities to encourage journalists to write about climate change. The platform is their solved. They didn't uh, give much uh, attention to this topic. So the journalists themselves, is why we will we'll talk about this uh, topic. So they need encouragement. And this is what we are trying to do during climate school. Are you seeing any change? As you know, last year Egypt was the host for the COP, COP27. So many people, thousands of people in Egypt started to hear about climate change for the first time because there was a lot of events, a lot of uh, talks, a lot of uh, newspaper and campaign on all the news, all the media. So people started to know about this and journalists started to write about this because the platform suddenly became interested to report about climate change. And this year also the COP will be held in Arab country. 
So this passion and this interest is still continuing with us. So this is why people started to be interested. We started to find training, specialized training for journalists, grants to encourage them to write about climate change. So they start to gain knowledge and experience and report about this topic in different way other than before. So there is a difference, of course, in the last two years. Let's hope that some of the journalists that Rama has trained are attending the UN-organised Conference of the Parties, or COP28. It's the biggest climate gathering of the year, and even as I record this, attendees are making their way to Dubai in the United Arab Emirates for the official start of negotiations and meetings. Next time on the UN Capital Development Fund's podcast, Women and Girls on the Climate Change Frontline, we're going to be talking to COP28 attendees. We hope to bring you a flavour of the discussion and how it might relate to women and girls on the climate change frontline. If you want to join the discussion or suggest people for us to speak with, email capital.musings at uncdf.org. I'm Sarah Harris. Thank you for listening.